you know, the really the whole point of ECHO is to improve access for rural and underserved patients. And this is a way to do that. And like I said earlier, it's that ripple effect of it's not just the patient whose case we review in the ECHO session, but it's all the other patients who will receive better care as a result of what their provider learned in ECHO. Meet Lachelle Smith, the director for ECHO Idaho. When you live in a small town, it's hard to get specialized medical treatment. Medical specialists are often too far away or too expensive. But through ECHO Idaho, the state's healthcare workforce is learning to address their patients' individual needs by reviewing real case studies within an online community. ECHO Idaho helps the state's healthcare workers keep abreast of the latest medical research and public health trends, knowledge they pass to their patients. Welcome, everyone, to The Vandal Theory. Hi everyone, my name is Lee Cooper and I'm a science writer here at the University of Idaho and your host for The Vandal Theory, a podcast about science and research at U of I. Throughout the fourth season of the podcast, which we're recording and producing remotely, we'll talk to U of I researchers about questions they want to answer, problems they want to solve, and what gets them excited about their research. Lachelle and I talked about how ECHO is addressing the needs of patients in Idaho's smaller communities. Hey, Lachelle, thank you so much for being a part of the Vandal Theory today. Can you introduce yourself for everyone? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. My name is Lachelle Smith, and I am the director of Project ECHO in the Whammy Medical Education Department at the University of Idaho. Oh, great. So a lot of letters out there. Let's start with the one that we really want to talk about today, which is ECHO. So what is ECHO? Simply put, ECHO is a way for healthcare professionals across Idaho to use Zoom to connect with experts in a particular medical field or discipline to get up to speed on the latest research or innovations so that they can provide the best care possible to patients in their communities. Can you give me an example? What would be like, what would an average ECHO Zoom call look like? Yeah, so um, it's not a webinar. It's interactive and actionable. So folks call in from across the state, and then we have brought together subject matter experts, specialists, and subspecialists to lead these trainings. The first part of an echo looks like a talk, a didactic lecture that you might expect in medical school. So for example, we have a behavioral health and primary care program. So last week in that echo program, we have a psychologist who gave a talk about bipolar disorder and what to look for when you're maybe making a diagnosis and what are common common pitfalls around that. And then the second part of the time together is really the most exciting. This is where participants can sign up to bring a de-identified patient case so that they can really learn and actualize that information that they've learned in the first half in their patient care. And it's a way for them to get access to consultation with Idaho specialists. So in this example, we have a family practice physician in Pocatello who brought a patient in his care who um, has several substance use and also psychiatric complications that he's dealing with in his primary care setting. And so he was able to bring this scenario to both the panel of experts who are leading the trainings and also the community of practice of everyone else who's called in to get some advice for medications and other treatment options so you could help that particular patient. 
Now, I think possibly that case study kind of leads me into my next question. You said that that was a primary care physician who was asking for some help? Correct. But making a diagnosis about bipolar disorder or something similar. (laughs) Sure, sure. Something similar. Yeah. So in many of Idaho's rural communities, Pocatello uh, notwithstanding, there are a shortage of specialists. And so what that means are primary care providers are, are oftentimes, they're acting as the de facto specialists. And so ECHO is this great way of sort of, even though it's a simple idea, it's really flipping healthcare on its head, right? Like right now the health system is designed for if you need higher levels of care, you, the patient, needs to travel to where the provider is with that knowledge. Through ECHO, we flip it on its head and instead demonopolize that medical information to get it out to the providers in rural or community-based settings so that they can provide specialist-level knowledge and care to patients in their care. And is this a trend across all of our specialty medicine, not just psychology or anything like that? It's, is it pretty widespread? So ECHO started in 2003 with the focus of hepatitis C and has since, um, in New Mexico, and has since, there are um, replication partners across the country, across the world, in numerous different health and disease topic areas. So in Idaho, we currently have seven different ECHO programs across four main health domains um, and a laundry list of others that we'd like to bring to the state. So in this case, you're helping primary care physicians treat some of these more specialty cases that might, in a bigger city, literally just go to the specialist. Why pick this sort of structure as opposed to the telemedicine? Why not have the the patient call the doctor in Seattle or something like that? Telemedicine is great. And like you just outlined, it can be a wonderful way to have one patient access one specialist for this one-to-one care using technology. Project ECHO, though, has this ripple effect, this workforce multiplier, where you can build up the skills and the capacity of the provider to help many, many patients. That kind of capacity building is especially important in Idaho, where we have such a workforce shortage. So we're very bottom of the list for primary care providers per capita. The entire state is a mental health professional shortage area. And so that that exacerbates these problems and makes it more difficult for patients to access the kind of care that they need. So having one patient call one professional is a Band-Aid for a much larger issue. That is a Band-Aid. You know, Idaho is is a, you know, a large state that's also very rural. And so we've got these geographic constraints that it's not always practical or feasible for someone to drive, you know, several hours, maybe in winter conditions to get to that specialist, if the specialist even exists, right? Like maybe we don't have that specialty in Idaho. We're also, you know, we, we have these workforce shortages now, but they're only getting worse as our state continues to top the lists of, you know, fastest growing state, fastest growing community. And our existing workforce is aging um, and retiring. And so these things combined sort of create this perfect storm of this access to healthcare issue. And there are many smart people working very hard at increasing the quantity of folks, you know, more nursing slots, more um, physician residencies, 
so that we can increase the number of health providers in Idaho. And that's wonderful. But those pipelines take a minute. And so the problem is here right now. And so ECHO is a way that we can help bring together our existing providers and our health workforce to really support them and build them up and make sure that they can provide the best care to the patients that they have right now while we're waiting for these other things to happen. So I was fortunate enough to be able to listen in on some of the first COVID-19 meetings that you guys had in the spring, summer of 2020. And one of the things that I loved about it was not just, you know, there, there was great information coming out, but one of the things that I enjoyed was the fact that there, there was part of the meeting that was almost a cheerleading, like, hey, guys, we can do this. This is, let's work together. We got this. Like, it was more than a, a webinar, as you said. There was more to it than that. So it's not only the information, but it's also this community, right, of reducing that professional isolation, that if you are a health provider in a small community, you might not have a lot of colleagues. Um, so this is a way to get some faces and have a, a virtual care team that can get together and take a sigh together. <sighs> I'm not the only one who's wrestling with XYZ or, oh, you're dealing with that problem too? Like, what was your workaround? Oh, I think that would work in, in my setting. You know, I, I work in a town that's similar to yours. And so there's this camaraderie and never has that been more important than at a time like COVID. And of course, all of this, I mean, it is a trickle down. The, the ultimate goal is to increase patient care, I would think. Yeah. So not only do the providers benefit, you know, they're getting access to the consultation with Idaho specialist, improved um, self-efficacy and job satisfaction and this um, easy access to the kinds of continuing education that might only be available in larger cities or out of state, which is a real problem for people in rural communities, right? But you're, you're exactly right. The ultimate beneficiary is that patient, right? So that they can get specialist level care from a provider they already know and trust. They don't have to navigate some complicated referral system and get themselves to that specialist that may take, you know, weeks, if not months or upwards of a year to get into you know, reducing their travel costs, those wait times, uh, avoidable complications in the meantime, because we're going to get you cared for sooner. You know, the really the whole point of ECHO is to improve access for rural and underserved patients. And this is a way to do that. And like I said earlier, it's that ripple effect of it's not just the patient whose case we review in the ECHO session, but it's all the other patients who will receive better care as a result of what their provider learned in ECHO. Well, and let's say I'm a doctor who attends one of the ECHO events. I'd assume that I'd be able to walk away from that with the names of all the presenters. And if I do come across a patient that's a bit outside my wheelhouse, I want to be able to give them a call. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I have so many people say, or I had one physician say to me once, before I had ECHO, I had Google. Which is not a great substitute. Not, <laughs> not a great substitute. That's about as good as me doing using WebMD and suddenly I can't <laughs> Right? Or, gosh, before I had Echo, I didn't know who to call. And now I have a psychiatrist in my cell phone. Here's an example just from last week. You know, we're, what, almost a year into this pandemic. This is a, another family practice physician in eastern Idaho who comes to our COVID-19 programming. And last week, 
we had an infectious disease specialist give the talk and then went through a hypothetical patient scenario of someone who tests positive for COVID, but has already restarted their vaccination cycle. So he emailed me um, just the following week to say, thank you. Just two days after that, I attended that echo session. That exact scenario happened to one of my elderly patients in my care. And I, I think you said that that was a hypothetical case, but it happened to me and it was so comforting that I already knew the answer and I didn't have to spend an hour or two researching it. So thank you. So it's that kind of community and that efficacy of helping people connect the dots and know where the resources are and have the information at their fingertips because patient care happens in the real time. And sometimes you don't have time to wade through all the listservs and the emails and the journal articles to find the answer that you need. You need it right when you need it. Right. I think one of the things that surprised me listening to the COVID-19 talks was, and looking back, I, I'm almost embarrassed by my naivety going into it. I, I went in thinking, okay, this is going to be a bunch of doctors and nurses, which there's more to healthcare than doctors and nurses. And going in, you guys had everybody from people specializing in working in nursing homes to grief counselors to virologists. Why is it so important to bring in such a wide variety of specialists to talk about one single topic? Because healthcare is complicated and health is complicated. And we have, like you said, there's more to healthcare than just physicians and nurses. Of course, we value them for their expertise that they bring, but they are working in this constellation of pharmacists and community healthcare workers and the front office staff and the medical admin and you know, the list goes on and on. And so when we have these areas of that aren't necessarily straightforward, maybe the um, care is changing or the, the landscape is changing, especially Which in those especially times. especially true with COVID-19. Uh, yes, of course. Information was changing daily. Right. It's important to have everybody on the same page so that we can work in concert. You know, stay in your lane, of course but make sure that all lanes are going in the same direction. And how, again, to, to speaking to that workforce shortage, we simply don't have time to not work together. And so I think just because of the way health education and health care delivery is organized, we sometimes fall into the trap of these silos. And so ECHO is a way to really purposefully invite folks from different disciplines to be together and learn from one another. And so they can find ways to maximize efforts and align efforts and find some efficiencies because again, there simply aren't enough of us to do it on our own. So we've been talking a little bit about COVID-19. I did want to go into, you guys have done some bigger sets of, of lectures with COVID-19 and also with opioids, why were these two so important to do kind of deep dives for our state on? I mean, early, especially early in the pandemic, there was so much uncertainty. It was changing so rapidly. Literally no one alive has lived through um, a, a global pandemic of such magnitude that it was really important to have a space to come together and catch each other. You know, no one, no one has enough time <laughs> to stay on top of it. But if we can kind of divide and conquer and be together, we can help get that information out to everyone who needed it. And so because the Echo Idaho infrastructure existed, 
and we had this network of experts, we could really quickly stand up a COVID-19 programming that was just for Idaho, for the Idaho health professionals who practice here, they understand here, and we could have a state com- a, st- a conversation just for here. So yes, it's nice to know what's happening on the national level, but what does it look like in Idaho? How can I help my patients in Idaho? What is Idaho doing? And so that was the conversation that we could have. Um, and people found that found and continue to find that to be of enormous benefit, right? To help cut through all the noise and the chatter and find out really what's happening and what's going to happen, you know, where we've been and where we're going related to COVID-19. Well, and in the case of COVID-19, it it felt to me like the healthcare workers were really looking for a community in this respect because, man, uh, it's a lot to take just on your own. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we forget that the health workforce, the health professionals that we look to, to guide us through this, this was new for them too, right? And they were also parents caring for children who were out of school or elderly parents, or you know, they were dealing with all of the same struggles that the rest of us were with this added you know, additional pressure of needing to lead folks through, especially in, in an area that was a little, you know, there's a little... There's a lot of noise, right? It wasn't so straightforward. It's not like diabetes prevention, and we all know we should eat our ve- vegetables. Like the yeah, information, they're used to having the answers, right? They're used to having the answers, and the answers are ones that we can, for the most part, sort of get on board. But for this one, we didn't have the answers, or you know, the answers were changing and evolving, and sometimes contradicting. And then there was all of this. Um, you know, the, the narrative around COVID-19 has been fraught with noise and complication. And so how do you continue to be a leader through that with your health training and background, um, but also being very aware of this larger conversation? And so it's been a challenge. And so, yes, so having a, a quick way to easily get, you know, straight to the answers, here are the bullets, here's what's changed. Here's what's happening in Idaho. This is who you can call. This is where you can go in a way that also aligned with the new physical distancing requirements that were in place was hugely, hugely beneficial. And I think we found a lot of opportunities to cross-pollinate, you know, that innovation that happened at the VA home in Pocatello could make its way up to a primary care setting in Lewiston. You know, so that the innovation and the information didn't get stuck in a particular health system or a particular community that we could make sure that, you know, we could reduce the variations in care throughout the state. Well, so just last few minutes, uh, let's just talk about uh, your opioid work. Why pick that as one of the big topics to cover? Yeah, so um, back in 2018, when we started, I know that opioids sort of fallen out of the news cycle, but that doesn't make it any less of an issue here in Idaho. For the last 10 years or so, rates of suicide and also drug overdose deaths have steadily risen. And that's another area of care that's, it's changing, it's it's complicated, it's not always straightforward. And so having that forum to bring folks together from different disciplines to really wrestle with the complexity of substance use and behavioral health its that often go hand in hand, um, we thought was really important. Um, I think it's interesting that in 2019, the, the most recent year we have data for, Idaho was the 11th lowest of providers who were trained 
to treat opioid use disorders in the country. So that puts us down between Alaska and Arkansas. Yet we were 12th highest for reported opioid misuse. Um, That's a poor ratio. That's a poor ratio. Um, And again, (laughs) because we can help facilitate peer-to-peer education, we can make sure that it's really resonant for that rural you know, nurse practitioner, the physician assistant, the counselor to figure out how do I want this to look in my practice? What do my patients need? What's going to work in my community? And we can kind of collaborate and provide mentorship together um, instead of a, you know, pejorative or condescending kind of a way. It's a very, it's collaborative people, you know, if they have egos, I don't know it. They check them at the door. They come with curiosity and camaraderie, and they want to help each other. And it's just, it's been such an honor to be able to facilitate these conversations to hopefully, you know, bolster the current health workforce, to help them make connections with the up-and-coming workforce. You know, Idaho is great. Please stay here. Please practice here. And you won't have to do it alone through communities like Echo and others to help connect one another. All right. Well, Lachelle, thank you very much for coming on today. Of course. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you found the intricacies of Lachelle's work with Echo interesting, I think you'll enjoy learning about a few other U of I research projects. NASA selected a College of Engineering team to build an experiment that will take place on the International Space Station. The team will research how microgravity impacts the efficacy of polymers known to resist bacteria on Earth. Wildlife scientists Ryan Long and Savannah Rogers found grizzly bears take cool baths to help prevent overheating. Because the body temperature of mammals rises during lactation, female grizzly bears may take baths to facilitate milk production and ensure cub survival. The Idaho Beef Council announced a $250,000 gift to the University of Idaho. The endowment will provide scholarships to graduate students studying beef safety, nutrition, and product development. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Vandal Theory. You can check out our website, uidaho.edu slash vandal theory to learn more about the work at Echo. Look through our show notes and email me with comments. Most importantly, you can subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Rate and review us too. And help spread the word about the great research being done at U of I by telling your friends and family about the podcast. I'm Lee Cooper, and thanks for joining us.